This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Looking to move to the cloud? Check out the Google Cloud Platform Weekly Podcast, where Google Developer Associates answer questions, get in the weeds, and talk to experts, customers, and partners about GCP. Click to learn more and subscribe to the podcast at g.co slash gcppodcast. Again, that's g.co slash gcppodcast. Folks, if you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, or even if you have a side gig, let me introduce you to Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Grasshopper lets you send and receive calls and texts from your new business phone number. That way, you can run your business from anywhere and respond to clients quickly with Grasshopper's mobile apps. Grasshopper, sign up today. Go to grasshopper.com kick to get $20 off your first month. Again, that's grasshopper.com slash kick. And now, enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. Abbott and Costello, Martin and Lewis, Allen and Rossi, the Smothers Brothers. My two guests today describe themselves as a postmodern take on the traditional stand-up comedy duo, and in my estimation, they belong right up there with the best of them. As fraternal twins who've been performing together since college, Randy and Jason Sklar, known as the Sklar Brothers, have developed an impeccable sense of comedic timing and a unique delivery all their own. They've been popular figures on the alt-comedy scene for years, and their stand-up specials have run on Comedy Central and Netflix. You'd also recognize them from their memorable roles on Entourage, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Grey's Anatomy, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Better Call Saul, and the list just goes on and on. Today, they'll join me in the studio to talk about how they work together, which one's idea it was to go into comedy in the first place, and why they don't want to be known just as a twin act. They talk about their podcast that riffs on the dumbing down of America, talk about a few of the characters who've become folk heroes to fans of the show, and what it all has to say about life in the age of Donald Trump. Plus, they talk about their new docu-comedy, Poop Talk, that uses humor to address one of the biggest social taboos of all. Coming up with the Sklar Brothers in just a moment. guests today are two of the funniest people I've ever seen. The Sklar Brothers have recorded several stand-up specials for Comedy Central and Netflix. They host two incredibly funny podcasts, View from the Cheap Seats and Dumb People Town. But even if you don't know their comedy or their podcast, you definitely recognize them because they are the funny twins from a million different shows like Entourage, Better Call Saul, It's Always Sunny, Grey's Anatomy, Those Who Can't. Cheap Seats and Sports Center on ESPN, and they're frequently on the Jim Rome Show. Now they have a new documentary coming out called Poop Talk. It's exactly what you think. And I'm such a big fan of these guys, and I'm so happy to finally have them on the podcast. Jason and Randy Sklar, thanks for coming in. Thank you for it's having so us. so good to be here. What a nice, great intro. Thank you so much. And it's just, we're happy to be here and happy to talk about all of it with you. You know, I, I think I cornered Jason after a show a while back, and I, I'm 
kind of an, a big fan of you guys, and Thank I was you. like, nobody does what you guys do. And you, you were probably like, yeah, we're twins, so yeah. No, does I was touched. That's I kind actually, of an obvious no, statement, I, I guess. I appreciated <laughs> it, and I was touched because I remember. We think about that stuff. We're like, how do we make what we do different? How mm-hmm. do we make it, as comedians, you're always looking for, like, what's the most unique point of entry? How do we do what we do so that no one else can do it? Yeah. And so we're constantly thinking about that. And, you know, we want it to be organic. That was like some people all along were like, one of you guys should be the, like the evil one and one of you the other. <laughs> the we, and twins. we kept saying to ourselves, that's not <laughs> organic to who we mm-hmm. are. I mean, we're human beings. And if we're going to tell realistic stories about how we deal with life, we can't then make one yeah. of us be an archetypal person <laughs> and the other not because that just doesn't allow for life to happen. Yeah, it's really hard to describe your act and do you justice because if I mention that you're twins, people might think that all you do is jokes about twin stuff or want to know which one is the straight man. And then I looked on your website at supersclars.com and I saw you describe yourselves as a postmodern take on the traditional stand-up comedy duo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that. Thank you. I we don't. Well, first of all, we don't go as the Sklar twins. We're the Sklar brothers, (laughs) and that was a conscious choice. And and I think our our approach was look, the Smothers brothers. They did that as well as anyone could ever do it. And we always say, you know, the Smothers Brothers classic joke was mom loved me best. They were in a constant fight with each other. Our joke was that our mom loved the Smothers Brothers more than us. Um, (laughs) No, but I do think there is a thing where you say those guys did it. They took it to the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And why would we try to recreate or do a version of that? Like we what we want to do is the kind of comedy that we would watch. I I always I'm fascinated sometimes when I hear about what bands certain musicians listen to. Yeah. And, you know, if they're the bands that they listen to are very different than the music that they make or their favorite mm-hmm. bands, if they, then something happened along the way where they said to themselves, this is the only type of music I can make. Or they're like, this is the type of music I can make that can make me money. We were of the mindset always that we don't want to make, make money, money. <laughs> and thankfully we haven't. Yeah, no, but we're we were really the... keeping truthful to that. Yeah, we're honoring that original <laughs> pact we made with the world. No, our goal, we wanted to create the com- kind of comedy, and this is what we say about everything we make. Is this something that we would watch if, if it weren't we, us? If we weren't us, yeah, would we yeah. be fans of this? Because we are fans of comedy. We started as fans of comedy when we were teenagers, really? so we were enormous. We were comedy nerds before it became cool to be a comedy <laughs> nerd. Um, that was back in the eighties in St. Louis when there wasn't. You didn't have YouTube. You didn't have access to a lot mm-hmm. of comedy. There wasn't a Largo. You know, which yeah. is like that we could go down and yeah. see like all these great yeah. people performing. There wasn't an improv in every city in There America. wasn't a comedy channel yeah. on Sirius Radio. There was nothing. Yeah. So we had to hunt for it and find it. And HBO was showing some stuff. And we knew about young comedian specials. And we just would dig into stuff. We loved it. And we knew what we loved. And so I think in the back of our minds, we said, what's the type of comedy? Can, can we create something that we would mm-hmm. like if we weren't us? And we've tried to do that in everything. I think we've succeeded in, in most of the things. And maybe we have very specific tastes, and that's why we're not like household names across the board. But we're proud of what we made. And I, you know, even in this movie, even in this new poop talk docu comedy that's coming out on the 16th, I still watched it. We screened it the last week, and I'm like, I would watch this. Now, did you guys grow up in a funny family? Like, where did your interest in comedy come from? Our dad was a really kind of personable guy, funny guy. Mm-hmm. He worked at a paper company kind of like the office he worked at a oh, place yeah, called yeah it's called it was called tension envelope 
Can you imagine that? Like, no one's last name was Tension. He worked at a place yeah. where Tension was in the title. Yeah, that sounds like a guy who's going to go Willie Loman any minute. Yeah, just selling paper. He was selling paper. But he was a really good salesman. He kind of wasn't this guy who was an act. He was not an academic. Our mom was an academic and is still, but was growing up an academic. Like our mom was like a national merit semifinalist, got a full scholarship really? to Ohio, Ohio State, State University. Like, which, smart, per, like, worked on computer curriculum in the 80s for hmm. our school district and like she and her friends really? developed a very crude version of like email and stuff like in like 84 wow. yeah like in terms of you know for like ninth graders telling eighth no gra- seventh graders telling seventh graders sixth telling graders. sixth graders what to expect when they they so sixth sent- graders would oh, email anonymously huh. seventh graders questions and then the seventh graders would send back their responses. And it was so funny as they were developing <laughs> That's a great it. Idea. Isn't that great? And as they were developing it, the well, response from the school district before they did the experiment on it was who's going to want to send letters like in the mail? Like <laughs> electronic mail is the it'll dumbest be dead on arrival. Yeah. And, and, but what happened was people were able to anonymously ask questions and then answer them and have mm-hmm. their questions answered. And so they were much more forthcoming. It was just a fascinating thing. So that's where she came from. Dad was much more of a people person. And he would, we would go with him on the weekends. Like he'd take us down to work with him and then we'd run errands with him. And, and truthfully, he would start talking to someone, like go pick up his dry cleaning and we'd be sitting in the back of the car with it running. You know, the way in the yeah. 1980s and 70s, just you leave just your kids in a, left your kids in a yeah. running car, like here, go, st- <laughs> any pedophiles around want to steal these guys? They're right here. Uh, and he would just start talking to someone and within 30 seconds, they'd be laughing or smiling. Really? And you say to yourself, he's just okay, a funny guy. He's a, there is value in making people laugh. Yeah. And so we saw that very early on. The other thing our dad did that was fascinating was he bought our family's business, like his uncle's business, selling alteration supplies and Velcro. And yeah, he left the envelope company and then went to work for his uncle. Okay. Uh, in a family business that had been around since 1919. Yeah. For years, they sold nuns' habits, and then they <laughs> as Jews, as Jews, Jews. <laughs> was it was that like the ultimate revenge for the Inquisition? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like coming back at you, fifty percent markup That's on right. these things. That would take the these uncle. sisters down. No, but he, they, he was way out of the habit business at that uh, point. But I mean, his. You know, he would he he bet on himself to succeed. He took a big chance and went like very much into debt three years before we went to college. So he was like, I bet on myself that I'll make this money back and I will make this money and I'll pay this business off in 10 years. And he did. So he took a huge chance and a huge risk. So the combination of him being personable and making people laugh and then also taking a huge leap and a huge chance, which is what we do every day in this business, yeah. uh, had a huge impact on us. Uh, now, how did you guys decide to get into comedy? Did you both decide at the same time, or did one kind of lead the way on that? I think we both loved it, like I was saying before. We were we nerds. Were teenagers. We were big comedy nerds. Then we went to college. We went to University of Michigan. We did some stand-up while we were there. We did some stand-up, you know, we hosted a show at the university, then we started doing stand-up in Ann Arbor, we started doing a little bit in Detroit, which is the first place we ever got paid, was Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Uh, And then, as we were heading towards graduation, this is 94, so I swear to God, this is true, someone called our, um, before we we were, I don't know, sophomores or juniors, and said, called our room, our not dorm room, but it was the house that we were living in and said, hey, we're, we're a part of this new thing called the Information Superhighway. Do you want to work 
on the information superhighway, and we none of us knew what it was, so we were like, "No, no, what the hell <laughs> is that? Gonna awful do? and boring." I don't and do who's construction. Gonna, who's yeah. going to make any money doing that? It was basically our response. Like we were like the people who said email's not going to work, right? Yeah. But so, but I I bring that up because at that time in the universe. If you went to a, if you paid a lot of money for a good education, which we did, and we worked really hard in college and tried to do well, you kind of had a couple routes you could go. You could go into business and go to like Wall Street and be like mm-hmm. work, investment banker. investment banking right. stuff like that. You could go to medical school, which we were terrible in science, so we couldn't really do that. Or you could go to law school if you liked English, you liked writing. You, we were performative, so we felt like we could, you know, maybe be trial lawyers. Who knows? Yeah. Like, I mean, could. that was like a kind of thing that a lot of people just kind of filtered into that funnel, whether you wanted that or not. Now, you fast forward ten or eleven years later, and a bunch of friends of ours who went to law school, like we're friends with Brad Meltzer, who's a fantastic. Uh, we were talking about early before we yeah. started recording. He's a great author. He's hosted TV shows. He went to law school at Columbia, and he's not practicing law anymore. There are a lot of people we know who went to law school not doing it anymore uh, because it wasn't what they really wanted to do, but they just didn't know what to do. So we applied to different law schools. We got accepted different law schools. We were on our way to go to law school. Um, but senior year, second half of senior year, we invited our favorite comedian, Andy Kindler, uh, who's a brilliant comedian, still doing it today, and so funny. One of the first alternative comics. He is one of the first comics to do comedy, do a joke on stage, and then comment on the joke that he just did. A lot wow. of comedians do that now, tons. Yeah. So he became our favorite. We went and saw him perform yeah. in St. Louis and asked him to come to the University of Michigan, and he came. We opened up for him. We said, watch our act and tell us what you think about it. And we talked to him afterwards. He said, I think you guys are really funny. I don't think that's all reflected in your material. Huh. You probably are going to have to lose a lot of your material. That it's you not all of it. It's not all of it. Go to a coast. Get to like New York or L.A. I'm in L.A., but you guys can go to New York and work on it. Get into a comedy scene that will push you guys to make use of why you're funny just hanging out right now. And in a couple of years, you guys could be on TV. That's like all we needed to hear. And so we called our parents that night and said, you know what? We're going to defer our acceptance from law school because he didn't really blow smoke up our ass. He was kind of yeah. real about it. you got to lose his material, but you have yeah, something that's interesting. Advice. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I think we thought to ourselves, if we don't try this, we will live the rest of our lives thinking, mm-hmm. what if we had, what if, what, what would our lives yeah. be? And there are definitely times now when, you know, we struggle and we we work hard and we go through times that are really so like tough. this movie's coming out and we think this movie is great it could be the type of thing that could could catch on or mm-hmm. not or not you never know it's like it it could not happen. sit here yeah. like four days before it comes out in theaters which and i don't I'm, anticipate a lot of people to see in theaters but if you see it in theaters or video on demand that would be awesome but like we're sitting here not knowing which direction it could go. I think Mm -hmm. the people who made the Black Panther are like, we about to make some money. (laughs) Now, we're of the mindset where we probably should have called our movie The Brown Panther. That's right. That would have been a better... Or The Shape of Toilet Water. Or I would have gone with Lady Turd. Um, Just to capitalize on the success of these other movies. No, but we're sitting here saying we don't know. Mm -hmm. We we have no clue if it's... It's a risky business. Even even when you've made it, it's a risky business. Of course. And so, you know, there are times where I'm like, maybe it would have been better on our constitutions and our anxieties would have been a lesson if we were just funny lawyers. But I, but I do, I am very glad because I think we didn't do this. We didn't get into this business to be famous. That was not our goal. 
Our goal is to work and support ourselves with our art. However that is, we had no aspirations. I don't want to be a gazillionaire. I don't even want to be a millionaire. I just want to be comfortable, know that I can pay for my kids to go to college and know that I can live out the rest of my days without wondering if I can make my rent. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all we care about. And, and get to work. And, and go to, to work. and get to do the thing and get to work. Get the get the privilege of getting to make things. And, and you do feel a little light sometimes like you're I don't know, I watched Bonnie and Clyde a while back and you're like, when they're on the run, they only have like a certain number of banks that they can rob before yeah. the police are gonna get them. So you do feel like on some yeah. level you're like as we get older. As, as we get older, I'm like, we're are we robbing banks here? What's happening? Like we're gonna get caught and then the whole thing's gonna be done. Yeah, or there's a moment where you're where you're out there, you know, we don't do the road very much, but we mm-hmm. do it we, we for a new project we did, for another thing we did, um, for Audible which is coming out in the next month or so. The next month, yeah. Uh, it's called Sklars and Stripes. That's the name of it. It's a 10-chapter audiobook uh, about really doing stand-up comedy on the road. Uh, whenever we go to a town to do like a weekend of shows at a comedy club, we always give ourselves the challenge of, hey, I wonder if we can write like five to 10 minutes of comedy about this town by experiencing the town, by talking to people about the town. What are they grappling with? What's the town's personality? What are the social issues of the okay. town? So this is an extension of, uh, what was it? Finding the Funny. Finding the Funny. So we did a pilot for yeah. the Travel Channel called Which Finding the Funny. Thank you. And this, it just was a little too edgy and political for the Travel Channel. This is a chance for Audible to go just do exactly just do what it. we want to do. So, so each chapter is about 30 minutes, give yeah, or take okay. five or maybe some less, but some more. And in each chapter, you hear the plane, or you hear us step into town and have our preconceived notions about how it's going to go. And you, you t- like we had like two documentaries in mind when we were making it. One, what is the comedic process? How does an observation in the field mm-hmm. turn into a funny thought, turn into yeah. a joke, fill in, turn into a full-on yeah. bit that we can do together? Yeah. That's really interesting to me. Fascinating. The comedic process is so cool. Then the other side of it was, what's it like to live in these 10 cities? The 10 cities we did were uh, San Diego. So, so, what ha- so we did San Diego, Madison, Portland, Kansas City, San Francisco, Tulsa, Denver, Bloomington, Houston, St. Louis, our old okay. hometown. So those okay. and my hometown, Houston, Houston, not St. Louis. Never yeah, no, but Louis. Houston was awesome. Yeah. We were there for a comedy festival, and to be there after the hurricane was pretty oh, yeah. unbelievable. To be and there. after the Astros won, was kind of an yeah. exciting time. So the crazy thing is, we started this the first weekend that we did was in San Diego the weekend after the 2016 election. Now, oh. <laughs> And so what followed was the next well, the next thirteen months we went to ten oh. cities and did this, and it was the thirteen oh, most tumultuous months yeah. in our nation's history that we can remember. Now, so a new storyline emerged within the documentary, which is the politics of our country. Now we didn't only yeah. go to blue blue cities; we went to some yeah. blue cities and red states. We went to some red cities yeah. and red states, and we are we feel very strongly. We have strong political views. We're definitely liberals. You know, I think it'd be hard to be a comedian and not be a liberal. I know some of them, but I do think that like there is this, if you're an artist and you're fighting for the arts, it's kind of hard to be on the other side, but we don't hate people who come from the other side. We were just outraged at the guy who was in charge. And I think we know a lot of people who are Republicans who are angry at what's going on. Truthfully, I think if like, it's interesting because for me, it's very hard to understand. 
Sure. I, it's hard for me to fathom how like an American from this place sees it one way and an American from another place sees it entirely different. Well, like, it's because like a mirror opposite. Well, because, well, because we've of, eliminated like universal news that we can all trust right. because they've attacked the concept of reality, which which is terrible. But the idea that like in this year when everyone has retreated to their bubbles, mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. left, people retreat to their bubbles. We left the bubble. To go because comedians, you gotta yeah. if you get a job, you gotta go. Yeah, you guys want to go to Houston? Yeah. yeah, we're going to Houston. Well, how did Houston vote? I don't know. If they voted the way we, we voted, or not everybody. Or hey, you're gonna go to Tulsa? How did Tulsa yeah. vote? You're gonna go to Kansas City? Kansas City? You're gonna go to Indiana? Mike Pence's home state. He was there when we were there, and it was like he was at the airport when we were there. I mean, and caused our plane to be mm-hmm. late. The jerk. And you know, like you talk about Madison, Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin went red. So you know, there were right. some things about Wisconsin. How does Madison fit into this sort of outer rim of redness and is a blue sort of creamy communist yeah. center in a larger, more crusty outside. So we figured all this stuff out and to and and just the timing of it was fascinating. It's called Scholars and Stripes. And yeah. then we're gonna pull about seven minutes of stand up from each six minutes or seven minutes stand from each city and make a comedy <laughs> album. So we're in the midst of like editing that right now. Yeah, and you know, I've noticed over the years that your comedy more and more seems to be drawing from your experiences as parents and explaining the world and life to your children, which makes me wonder, how do you sit your kids down and explain Trump and everything that's going on in the world right now? I'm like, what do you say to them? I definitely am unfiltered about it. Like my son is like, is Trump a bad guy? And I'm like, I'm like, yep. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I I don't even color code it. I'm not even like maybe to some of his people he is. But there's too much of that already. He's like an angry baby. Yeah. Like we can't, we can't normalize it. I'm not going to normalize it. I'm like, this is not, now if they said to me, is George Bush a bad guy? I would say, well, when he was in office, I think he listened to Cheney too much and he wasn't the brightest guy. (laughs) But I look at him now and I'm like, you know what? He's just a faith-based guy who I disagreed with some things. I don't love that he got us into the Iraq war. I'm not in love with some of the things he did. But I think that he cared about the political process. Mm-hmm. And, I and I think, think he, he cared, cared about the cared about the country. He cared about the country. Yeah, you can't really fault his love yeah. of the country. So I was like, this guy who's in there right now only loves himself and yeah. his rich buddies. And I would argue he is just a disgusting person. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest with my kids where I'm super diplomatic about a ton of other things. I'm going to be as honest as I am about like drugs and alcohol. Like I don't want you doing them. I, even if I know that like sometimes some point they're going to come into your life, I'm going to say it's bad for you. Or I'm going to say, this is bad. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't, you know, we don't call each other names. We certainly don't disparage other races. We don't disparage, you know, to us. I have a son. I'm like, if a woman says no to you, a girl says no to you, whatever you're doing, if you're hitting her, if you're doing any, you know, if you're running around, it's a silly game and she's throwing stuff at you. Someone says no, you stop. Yeah. Like those are, there are some basic things you tell your kids. Basic things that like the people at the top of our country can't get right. at this point right now. Right. The Rob Porter right. scenario is like a classic example yeah. of like you don't get it. Like I watched Kellyanne Conway on TV and she's like, well, a stronger person would have handled that. It's like, what are you are you joking me? <laughs> like again, the, the, it, it upsets me because yeah. I'm like, I now have to sort through all this and explain to my kids mm-hmm. that is wrong. Yes, she's a woman and what she's saying is flat out wrong. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with the Sklar Brothers when we come back in just a minute. In a world consumed by breaking news, one man has the focus to cut through the... 
The president's losing a Twitter fight to Jewel. To cut through the... ISIS won Powerball? Who sold them a ticket? To cut through... Where are kittens even getting opioids? Oh, he did the accent. It's much more racist if he did the accent. A chipmunk attacked a synagogue. And he knew it was a synagogue. John Oliver is back to put aside distractions and get to the bottom of... Wait, Harambee again? I, I literally don't understand how that's possible. Did he come back? And then they got him again? Was the same kid involved? Last week tonight with John... This one just says run. Last week tonight with John Oliver. Every week starting February 18th on HBO. And all of this kind of leads into your podcast, Dumb People Town, which yes. I want to talk about just for a few minutes sure. before we wrap up. Sure. Um, it sort of posits that the world is getting stupider by the day. And I guess I would say that you guys are sort of the studs turkle of the Trump era, <laughs> chronicling the dumbing down of America. Yeah. Uh, give us a couple of examples of the kind of stories that you talk about on DPT. I mean, Dumb people tell well, we say the world is getting dumber or, or dumber is getting louder or dumb yeah. is uh. fighting smart and dumb is stronger. It has dumb strength. And it's just winning. <laughs> like if there's a naked guy with a machete taking a poop in a pool that isn't his in Tallahassee, Florida, we'll be there to make fun of it. If there's a woman who's like, yeah, I can pull my kids at 30 miles an hour with my Subaru in the back and they're in a wagon. A wagon attached to the <laughs> thing around wagon. this roundabout. Okay, that's it. You know, if a guy takes drugs and goes up and just hangs up and climbs up a tree and it takes the entire fire department and it, to get that... Those stories to us, <laughs> those are your people, yeah, those, those fascinate <laughs> us because then we want to try and understand how did this person get there, who let them there, who's the dumbest person? What were the ten hours? Yeah, who's the dumbest yeah. person in this story? What yeah. were the and ten it may hours? Be surprising that led to this? who it ends up being. Maybe the cops in the end. Of the in story. many ways, in yeah. many times, it's cops. Many times, yeah. it's just the people. Themselves. I mean, the best story about, and I guess because we've traded in this world, is Jay's friend has a friend who's a cop oh, oh yeah. i was at a party or just a brunch at a friend's house and he's, guys like my friend's a cop his kids coming he's coming over and he's got some amazing stories he would probably love your podcast i was like we should I get him on <laughs> we should i'm like i want to talk to this dude and so he came over and i was like what is it like man? when you're out there in the are you sensing that it's different are you sensing what we're kind of feeling yeah. right now he's like i'm gonna tell you something that is gonna blow your mind i was like <laughs> dude bring it uh, i mean you don't expect to get that information at a at brunch, a brunch yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> tell me he's like i could solve all of the problems in the world. You're like, like, how, how, how? He's like, we don't need guns. We don't need tasers. We're like, I'm listening, I'm listening. We don't need <laughs> batons. We don't need anything. The way you talk a crazy person down and a violent person down from their rage, Doritos. <laughs> I was like, man, what are you talking what? about? I'm like, like any kind of Dorito, like Cool Ranch. He's like, no, no, no. It has to be the original Doritos, the original red nacho Doritos. He's like, I'm going to start carrying 50 bags in my trunk. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have to be basing this on empirical fact. If yeah. you're coming so strong. If you have that yeah. strong of a theory. He said, I cannot tell you the amount of times. He's like, I want to take people with me to show them crazy guy group of people around him yeah. dangerous like we don't know a drunk we don't know what's going to happen i walk over with a small bag of doritos and say hey man calm down put down the knife i'm gonna give you a bag of doritos and we're <laughs> gonna talk about this 
Now, does that count as entrapment? Like, is there a legal precedent <laughs> no. on the use of Doritos? Knife to the ground, okay. 100% of the time, sitting down, eating Doritos, talking about it. He's like, there would be no police brutality. That there is, would be no, he's like, it is, people have this weird, it's, and I likened it to, like I was like, it's t-shirt. like when, you, when you're at a sporting event and they start taking out the t-shirt cannon, all right? Yeah. I can't tell you how many t-shirts are in my drawers we have to that I never, bit. we have I to do this bit on stage, that I never wear, <laughs> that I just never wear. I'm like, I don't need these stupid t-shirts. I have way too many t-shirts. The t-shirt you get out of a t-shirt cannon is not a great American apparel shirt. Yeah. It's not a soft, it's an yeah. ill-fitting. It's like a toy you want at the carnival. Yeah, it's, it's like never, a Hanes, you know. like always too big, no size fits anyone thing that shoots out of a cannon. It's like a toy that the kids get at the dentist's office. You're like, is that Barbie doll just made of cancer? What is that? Get it out of here. You're going to lose it in like 10 seconds. Plastic knot of this earth. Fuck the dentist for giving this to you. You're so angry. You're like, because now I got to throw it away. I got to find this stupid toy. Find the head that just rolled off. As soon as the t-shirt cannon comes out, me included, I stand up. I'm like, over here! Get it to me! I want it so bad. You jump up and down. You're like, it's like, like you, the idea of winning something or getting yeah. something, and that's all we need to do to change. You're like a guy. Someone solve in, police brutality. It is such yeah. a or or just any of that stuff. Like you would never, Delita. you wouldn't have yeah. Colin Kaepernick kneeling. <laughs> no. Like everybody would stand for the national anthem. It would be. Can you imagine just solving yeah. that with Doritos? Yeah. But we feel like it is our duty as comedians to try and fight fight the dumb fight with the dumb with comedy and so yeah. we get people like Pete Holmes and Jamie Lee right. and uh, John Hamm and Keegan Dan, Michael Dan Harmon Keegan yeah. Michael Key and just really Tony Hale all the Jason Manzukis Tiffany Haddish run through the list of all of the guests that we've mm-hmm. had in the last like year probably done about close to 60 episodes mm-hmm. Just amazing people riffing with us, and the stories come up. We don't know the stories. The guest doesn't know the stories. Our co-host, Dan Van Kirk, who's amazing, he's the only guy who kind of has it broken down, and he's brilliant about it. And we've really built this kind of amazing community out of nowhere, like – Got about twenty thousand people on a Facebook page, Dumb People Town slash Facebook. Yeah, a lot of active fans out there. You know, and and what's crazy is some of the people we've spoken about in the stories (laughs) joined the Facebook. Have now commented. They've joined the Facebook page and now commented on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Tell the listeners who Jan Flato is. Jan Flato, Flato, Flato. It's a guy in. Or is it Jan or is it Jan? It's it's the guy. It's Jan, but we have a cousin called himself Jan. (laughs) Okay. John Flato makes him sound like he like wrote all of John Tesh's music. <laughs> Jan Flato. Flato. Okay. Like we could do Jan, a bunch guy? of Jan Flatos. So Jan Flato or Jan Flato uh, <laughs> is a guy who uh, in Florida who, of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> who had a Russian girlfriend. It's not clear whether he paid for her or not uh, to be his girlfriend. They went to a casino. He gave her the money. She put it in the uh, slot machine, $100 on the slot machine. She pressed the button. And so it was. It felt like a pair doing that. If we win and strike, a, we'll split it. Up. We'll split it in half. They win a hundred thousand dollars, which for anybody is a tremendous amount of money. She said, "I'm going to go up and get the money, and I'll see you right back here." She gets the money, and the rule is at the casino: if you press the button, mm-hmm. that money is yours. It doesn't yeah. matter where you got which the money. I don't know how she knew this. 
She got up to the front, <laughs> got the money, got security guards, and said, keep him away from me, and got out to the car and left with his money. So this poor guy, we felt so bad for him, yeah. and then we saw a picture of him, and we're like, this is the greatest human being we've ever seen. He looks like a guy that owns three jet skis, and none of them work. He looks like <laughs> a guy who has been fired three times from the Guitar Center and keeps getting rehired. He looks like a guy who believes that the sun is flat. You know what I mean? This is Jan Flato. He's like an Flato, unlicensed doula. A.K.A. Jan Flato. Jan Flato. So he and so he became this guy that we talked about in such glowing and fun terms. And we put the picture up whenever we do a live show. He has now joined the Facebook page and he'll just comment on other stories and things that are going on. And we're like, <laughs> oh, my God, this universe is now wrapped Turning in and itself. folded yeah. in on itself in the most poetic way ever. And so we love this podcast and it's reached a lot of people. Yeah. What is it about Florida? You said he's from Florida and so many of these stories, it seems to be like the Bermuda Triangle. Have you been to Florida? Stupid drunken madness. I've my. my yeah, yeah. A few times. My wife's stepdad lives in Sanibel Island, which is on the well, West. That's like oh, okay. a nice. That yeah. is nice. But we've driven across the like Alligator Alley, okay. like driven across the, the center of like mm -hmm. uh, oh, down Okeechobee, like below the panhandle, yeah. right in the center. And. It is like another world. I can only describe it as like I don't think they're living by the same rules. Like if you if you don't have a machete, you're looked at like you're <laughs> what, what is this guy's problem? It's you like the it's like the Australian outback a little bit. And then the other thing about it is that Florida and Oregon, those are two states that release their police blotters and make them public. Okay. So most of the stories come from I'm sure if every state had it you'd be like a missouri man and you're like here we go again I can't believe arkansas is doing this again you yeah. know so I mean, although we've had stories from all over yeah 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 in fact uh, today i think you had one from russia and yeah russia listened, yeah there was a guy who drove a tank through a store to get just to, to steal a, to bottle, steal of a wine. bottle of wine yeah and there was also you had a woman who married the ghost of a 300 year old pirate uh-huh and i thought about that because you know so often on this show you have people who have some story where they married their pet, or yep. they want to marry the an inanimate Tower. object. Right. Yeah, or, of Liberty. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. The religious right never gets pissed off about that. That's never the thing right. that's the threatening the institution of marriage. of marriage. Exactly. Two guys in love. Right. That's what's weird and to them. This is, you know, and that's the full frontal attack. What if, so what what if I, I told you this woman was having butt sex with the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> yeah, like, Would that change your opinion? Yeah. Well, but the religious I, right? The idea that you bring that up is it puts all of these silly stories into a actual relevant context yeah. what you just brought up is the same way that we feel and so we feel like this show even though it's silly at times it's a jumping off point to some deeper discussions mm -hmm. and and it is like one hour we try to hit the one hour mark whenever keep we do it, it as close to like an hour hour mm -hmm. 10 as possible make it just be this really wall-to-wall -wall comedy if you're exercising for an hour listen to this yeah. you'll be it'll help you get through if you're drive, if you have to commute for an hour and a lot of people do listen to this and it'll get you on your drive well i want to talk a little bit more about this new documentary that you guys both host and executive produced called poop talk uh, this might seem a little bit out of your wheelhouse so tell us how did you get involved in this project i mean it wasn't our idea initially our friend aaron feldman who directed the movie came to us two years ago and said i have an idea for a movie I want to do something on the history of poop. Mm -hmm. And we were like, goodbye. No, no thank you. <laughs> because we just didn't, I mean, you've seen our act, you see what we do. It yeah. just, yeah, yeah. That's we're not like, how does it fit? Yeah, poop jokes aren't really your thing no. normally. Unless right. it's in the context of like raising two kids and something like that. Maybe. Or making fun of that type of humor. Yeah. You know, like we would take yeah. some, twist it. We would twist, twist it and <laughs> take a shot at it. But so he said, well, just tell me what type of movie you would make on this subject. And we yeah. wrestled with it over a weekend. 
talk to each other a lot, said, can we do this? What if this movie is huge? And then this is the thing we're known for. It's just a poop movie. Can we live with that? Well, that's well, the best case scenario. That's the best case scenario. <laughs> if it succeeds, which is what you always go to do something to try and make it succeed. If it fails, then we've wasted a ton of time. You never want to work on something that you're hoping gets buried and doesn't succeed. So yeah. we said, we got to make a movie that we're proud of. And that we would like. So it would be an honest, funny discussion about mm-hmm. why is this something that everybody does? It's maybe the most universal subject <laughs> we've ever tackled. Everyone does it. Yeah. And yet people don't talk about it. Why? What, what, why? Where are we in the world right now? Where it, and, and we have actually found evidence of, you know, we live in like kind of a bit of a Tinder profile society, mm-hmm. i.e., let's get the high angle shot of me. Yeah, exactly. So that I look and the good the best. filter. And, and they the, and people don't want to they don't want to see or show the world any part of them that might be quote unquote ugly or vulnerable. We would argue it's your most human. I mean, everybody does it. Like Cat mm-hmm. Williams poops, and so does Oprah. All right, and they <laughs> probably both smell the same. The question is, you know, do we want to imagine those people mm-hmm. doing it, and and just how do we reconcile it? And and so you kind of start to, you know, you dig into this discussion, you realize, okay. Poop is the entry point. The entry point is through someone's <laughs> anus. Uh, can we then spread out and say something about the entire human experience? Mm-hmm. Now, I guarantee you, we've even read reviews. People have reviewed the film. There will be people, people who will see the subject matter and just simply dismiss it. Right. They just will. They'll be like, I'm not going to see this. It's about poop. It's juvenile. <laughs> da, 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 da. But if you watch the film like you did, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really just about that. It's kind of about a lot of other things. And and it's interesting because, you know, it's such a taboo, and the only people who are comfortable talking about it are either comedians or doctors, who you have both in this movie. Right. And I think the idea is that comedians, and you watch a lot of comedy, you understand this, you know, comedians are like amateur anthropologists. We study human behavior and try yeah. and then understand what is quirky about it or what what are we getting wrong what are we doing wrong and then show that back <laughs> yeah. to everybody or why is this incongruency still accepted in our world mm-hmm. and so we thought this is a little hiccup in in our evolving because the truth of the matter world. is if you do poop you your body is actually functioning beautifully yeah that means <laughs> yeah, you're 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 take your body is taking the nutrients from the food that you eat dispersing the good things to your body that it needs energy mm-hmm. for your brain, for your blood, for all those other things, for your muscle and all that stuff. And it's getting rid of the stuff it doesn't need. Mm-hmm. And all that is, is just you getting rid of the stuff you don't need. And of course there's all this other stuff surrounding <laughs> it. And, and there's shame and there's yeah. obviously the smell and the sounds. And we talk about it. But comedians are so great about shame because they don't mind. Pete Holmes talks about it in the movie. He says, you know, as alpha males, comedians, we're so evolved. Or as, females. Or females. We're so evolved as human beings that the alpha male can stand on stage and reveal his or her, like, basically worst, most vulnerable yeah. Weakness. Yeah. weaknesses yeah. and stand in huh. a very, you're like strong, weak. Yeah. You're weak, strong. We call it like weak, weak he called it like weak, strong. We were talking to him today earlier and he was like weak, strong. That is what it is. It's like your weaknesses make you strong yeah. in that instance because you're not afraid to show that. And I think that is why comedians were perfect people to talk about this subject with. Yeah. It reminds me of a conversation I had a while back with a woman who was mortician of all things and mm-hmm. she's trying to destigmatize death and funeral and mm-hmm. approach death and funerals the way people outside of the U.S. do. It, it's a lot like that because 
you know, just like getting grandma's corpse out of the house, you know, you want to get it poop flushed out of sight and out, out of your home as quickly and discreetly as possible. But you're doing, like you said, a real disservice to yourself because I had a doctor friend who once told me before you flush, you should always look in the toilet because it's one of the best ways your body can tell you whether you're, you're dehydrated, okay. yes. I you're right, say, get if you have poop. early signs of disease. I mean, there's a lot of information. In I thought you were going to say get your poop out of the house the same as your grandma's corpse. Make sure you bury it with a very tasteful ceremony. <laughs> in the backyard. Uh, in the backyard. No, uh, no but it, that's a great point. And speaking about death, you know, there are things surrounding death that we as comedians talk about all the time. We, we on stage say, like, everybody's going to die. Everyone yeah. in, this in our room, new special, there's a point in the stage where we say, everyone in this room is going to die. Tonight. Know, tonight. You will Just all die tonight. <laughs> no, but I mean, we, we broach that subject. Comedians aren't afraid to broach that subject. Yeah. And I think, you know, once you start thinking about, okay, quality of life versus death. I mean, yes, every, people can be kept alive for 170 years if you're on a machine. If you're on a machine, you can yeah. a machine can help you breathe and you can be sitting there and be kept alive for years and years, but is that really living? It's yeah. good because it, you know, I'm sure your mortician friend definitely can answer your mortician friend yeah. or the person you spoke to who yeah. uh, could answer your little mortician friend I'd love to get her in here <laughs> yeah hear what Very she's little. gonna say about this one ever bring her formaldehyde mm-hmm. uh, no but why do we both turn into Dennis Miller uh, so know that you that, that that person has a lot sort of the stigma and, and the worry yeah. of death, they see that as just like another passage mm-hmm. of this is like the, you know, it, as part of the beautiful cycle of life as opposed to be something to fear and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have a friend of mine who's kind of this crazy alt writer who mm-hmm. says a lot of dumb shit 95% yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, though, he'll come at me with some kind of pearl out of nowhere. Yeah. And one day, not that long ago, he said, you know, the digestive system is very humbling. And I was like, he's right. He is right. I mean, even Hitler apparently had like horrible, irritable bowel syndrome. They called him Schittler. They called him Schittler because behind his back. He didn't like it, and then he became a dictator. That's right. Yeah, but when you picture the scariest man in the world, the most horrible sociopath in history, you know, just running out of a meeting holding his pants because he's about to shit himself. Oh, he did. Oh, the Fuhrer. The Fuhrer over it was terrible. The sound in the Fuhrer. The sound of the Fuhrer. It's just a farting. Look, that's why he built the bunker. He wanted to go underground. Yeah, it's like that's how much he didn't want people to smell his shit. Is he built a bunker underground? He said, "Keep Ava Braun out of here." He probably took a absolutely wrecked the bunker bathroom and then was like, "I gotta commit suicide." Nobody, I can't be around when Ava Braun steps in. No amount of paint thinner. I don't want Laney Riefenstahl to take a picture of this. Jesus, so fun to make fun of Hitler. It's so fun to belittle Hitler with comedy. It makes Hitler. I'm calling him Shitler from now on. Shitler from now on. Shitler. No, but on the other hand, of course, you have uh, Kim Jong-un's dad, Kim Jong-il. If you go to North yeah. Korea, like apparently no one believes that Kim Jong-il ever defecated. That's that was right. like some propaganda. And then Dennis Rodman. And people believe that. And then, and then Dennis, Dennis Rodman, Rodman went to North Korea, North Korea because he was one of the only people that they allowed in there. And he yeah. got drunk and apparently defecated in the hallway of the hotel that he was staying. Oh, I knew, really? So not in I his bathroom, but in the hallway. And it was an actual improvement to the hotel. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that was the weird part. No, but I was like, if you were like a sort of, I guess. What like did a, Dennis Rodman uh, shit smell like? like? What was in there, I like tons of cocaine and Fruit <laughs> Loops. Yeah, kimchi. kimchi. I was gonna say some Fruit Loops, like a flip flop, like a shower, <laughs> one shoe. shower shoe. 
<laughs> you know, some, vodka, badass vodka. <laughs> some people have rules about doing number two in public restrooms. Are yeah. you guys like that? Or? We were very, I, before we made this movie. Randy yeah. and I were super private about the poop. I just wouldn't do it out in public. And yeah. we tell a story in the movie about going to camp and first time away at summer camp, fourteen years old. You're at basically the peak of your body changing. You know, your own personal shame and all that stuff. And you're in a cabin with like twenty kids and. You know, the new kids, and you just were, like, in a shared bathroom. It was, pro- like, our nightmare, both of us. And I didn't yeah. I didn't poop for, like, 14 days. <laughs> and I'm just eating. It was a Jewish summer camp, so you're eating Jewish food, which is the worst <laughs> thing you can keep piling into your system. Yeah. I can't believe, like, my kidneys didn't break down. <laughs> but it was, it was like, and that was our attitude before. Then we made this movie, and I took a river rafting trip with my family the summer after we had completed basically principal shooting on this movie. And I, it, it was a situation where you're with five other, four other families be that you just met. And there is essentially a glorified bucket you have to poop into that with a little (laughs) tent around it, but it's open and you can see the river. And I will say that like, even knowing that, okay, there's a line of people to get in there after you do your business. And so it's not getting flushed away. It's right there. It is (laughs) again, to to look at that, we went through this whole experience of talking to people and whatnot, and I came out on the other side of that thing, and some of my most beautiful, most peaceful moments were sitting <laughs> on that groover and doing my business while I was looking out at the river, and I thought to myself, man, I've come a long way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you both have kids, so I have to assume that any day yeah. you make it to any restroom is I probably mean, a win. When they're little, your the, your parents, yeah. young parents, are always like trading. That's what you trade in in kids' poop. Yeah. I mean, my daughter is a hundred percent potty trained, knows how to poop on the toilet, will poop on the toilet, can do it. But she now is going through a phase where she wants to go put on a diaper and poop in the diaper again. And we've talked really? to our doctor and she's like, don't, you know, push it. Don't shame. Don't don't create issues around it. So we're just kind of supporting it and riding yeah. this little wave out. I'm sure she won't do that into her teens. But like it is an interesting thing because I thought, OK, she's potty trained now. We don't have to necessarily do that. But here I am still do back in that game again. And as a parent, you just you learn to deal with it. It it kind of you're like, oh, okay, I now know how to breathe out of my mouth and not take in any yeah. smell. I now know how to do this. <laughs> I'm seeing it up close. It's you start to like it becomes it, less. It crazy. gets yeah. demystified. Yeah, maybe she's onto something. I mean, I'm just waiting for the day when like dot comers in Silicon Valley decide that diapers are somehow a productivity yeah. hack. Yes, a product. <laughs> yeah, you don't want 20 minutes of you in the uh, in the bathroom, or they'll just start putting computers. Yeah, you know, like full on computers <laughs> I mean, in the bathroom. Yeah, the diaper is literally a- swing the laptop over <laughs> as you're sitting down. There, there is still cleanup involved in the diaper. So, <laughs> so there, it, like, you can't get away from it. Like, yeah. I, if there was a tube from underneath your like that like bouncy ball that people sit on for their backs, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, if there was a tube that came out of that ball, fills the ball and went down, like, like a suction, like, like at the bank where they the when you send like a deposit, boom, boom, oh yeah, a pneumatic boom, system, boom, yeah, and you could just press a button for suction right when you knew when it was coming out, it was just like, boom, and then it was like also doubled as a bidet that just shot water right up there. <laughs> That's hack that my would, life. That would be like the new silicon. Like, have you tried this? That would that'd be a reason. There's a yeah. poop ball. Have you done the poop ball? Yeah, there's a reason to work at that company. Uh, that makes me think of probably what I would say is the most out-of-touch 
Hollywood first problems moment in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you have a number of very big comedians waxing about their fancy Japanese toilets that oh, spray know. and blow and well, play music and psychoanalyze you. By the way, I think it's 80 bucks. Yeah. It costs so much. It's, it's just, yeah, because you wait, just what? buy a cover. You buy just a oh, seat cover. Oh, you just cover. buy the seat cover. Yeah, so, so it's cheap, my man. I thought, okay. You, it's not that I fancy. It's not some crazy, like, $5,000 no, Japanese toilet. No, this is oh, like a thing that's an aftermarket it's, thing. You buy for your toilet. And you put it on your toilet. Okay. It's like like aftermarket and, rims for your and car. And what does it do? It, like, and sprays, heats the seat. Heats, heats the, the seat. Wow. It, like, has a thing of water that then can spray and undulate and clean you from <laughs> underneath. And you kind of just wire it through your toilet. And it's, like, a wonderful thing. And it's not that expensive. And, you know, I think it is sort of, like a newfangled bidet. I got to be honest. I'm a little bit traumatized by one once in Japan. I was in Tokyo and mm -hmm. I'd never seen one before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are all these buttons. I was so fascinated. I was in my hotel room yeah. playing around with it, standing in front of it and I'm pushing buttons. And then suddenly like this little stick, it, almost like an early pregnancy test or whatever, slide, starts to move out from under the, the rim. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And it, it's like the theme music from 2001 was playing oh, as I was things, watching and you it. sit on it. And I'm just standing there, and then all of a sudden it, like, nails me right in the crotch with okay, a hot stream no, of water. That's not good. And I fall dun, on the dun. ground laughing. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> I can understand why. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were talking to Dr. Drew, who's in the movie as oh, yeah, well. We were yeah. talking to him, and he said, you know, one of the stigmas about a bidet, we said, when do you ever think a bidet might make its way to the United States? Because it's kind of rare, weird mm -hmm. that it wouldn't be here. And he said just there is the stigma that, like, people in Europe don't shower and that the bidet right. is, like, their only shower. And so for <laughs> some reason it's seen as a less than version. I, I think it's yeah. the toilet lobby. Strong lobby. Yeah, it's like <laughs> just like how they kill the electric car. Remember who killed the electric car? Who killed the bidet? Uh, that's the one of the questions that's raised in this film. Do you think we'll ever adopt the just the hole in the ground, like 90% oh, of the rest of the world? Poop hole. I mean, poop hole is pretty... <laughs> You know what's crazy to me is that poop hole could work as an alt, as just like a second thing. Like, I, I guarantee you that it won't happen. But, you know, in public places, poop hole would be great. Put the poop in the ground. Get it. That's so much better than a porta potty. Yeah. Poop hole. Oh, yeah. And you do kind of wonder about those things. You, you you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's right. You're eliminating all revenue streams from the toilet situation when you put a hole oh, in the ground. Big toilet. Big yeah. toilet. Big toilet is changing our lives and, <laughs> and dictating how we put Well, as people see a revenue stream anywhere, those industries will then start to take over and say, no, 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 you need air freshener. No, 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 you need this. And then you need three-ply yeah. toilet paper. We need these things. And suddenly, like, you know, yeah. they have thousands of employees yeah. that are counting on. And tons of water. Poop hole shovel. And poop hole shovel. Poop hole shovel. Oh, someone, someone at a screening said in England they have poop knives. What? Knives that are like in the back of your Which toilet. I don't know where you that hang sounds this. sounds terrifying. Well, and they you say they cut up what you've done so that it goes down, down easier. easier. What? After you put it into the bowl, poop knife. Like this we're like in England. Yeah, this is like we were England. supposed to know what that was. She's like, what? Are, what's your attitude on, on poop, poop knives? Poop knife applicators. And we were like, what? Say what? <laughs> but look, we're not we're not here to shame anybody on anything that they do. And I, yeah. you know, again. This is the most we've ever talked about this subject ever in our career. In our careers, in our lives. it's not really what we are. But again, we keep yeah. coming back to what is this honest thing? Let's mm -hmm. take this movie back to here's an uncomfortable subject. 
and how do we deal with it? How do people deal mm-hmm. with an uncomfortable subject? And out of that come stories like Kira Soltanovich, where she talks about immigrating oh, yeah. from Russia. I don't want to give it away because yeah. I don't want people to see the movie, but she talks about immigrating from Russia as a two-year-old and being with her mom in a very stressful scenario and it was a very stressful situation. That story is... I relate to it as a parent. I relate to it as a Jew. I relate to it (laughs) as just a human being, the embarrassment and whatnot and how it all sort of comes together. It's a very triumphant story. Brad Williams' story about the dwarf comedian. His story, yes, it's about pooping, but very cursorily. Really, it's about his experience. If I told him, you tell me one, I asked him, tell me one story that encapsulate your whole experience as a dwarf, as a comedian (laughs) in this world. I bet he'd tell that story because it had everything in it. <laughs> and since you mentioned it, you, you guys are Jewish, but you have the least Jewish sounding name I've ever heard. Sklar. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a more Nordic name. Yeah. Doesn't it sound Is like that, the, it sounds to me like the wrench that, that you Jewish use name? for like the all Ikea yeah. items. Like <laughs> hand me the Sklar. Honey, did, I, did yeah. you drop the Sklar behind the bookcase? Cause we've yeah, got I was it. done making the thing. So right, I threw it where I can't see it. Uh, no, Sklar is a Russian a name. name. Oh, it Russian. Is. Eastern means European. Glass blower. Means glass Glass blower. Okay. Yes, we're <laughs> artists from way back. I have to ask before we go, Jason, do you actually have a prescription for those glasses? Yes. Or is that just like fashion glasses? No, to, and I need so to probably, I need to strengthen. By the way, my yeah. eyesight is Gone. starting to deteriorate just because oh. I'm 46 and it's just happening where it's oh. deteriorating and Jay will not let me get glasses. Can you get contacts? I said, <laughs> like, I'm contacts. like, I don't know if I can stick something in my eye, maybe, but it was contacts, crazy. Bro. Crazy. I own glasses. Well, people have to see you guys. You're so great in person. Where, do you have any live shows yes, coming up? Yes, we do. We have a handful, I can tell you right now. So uh, I don't know if your listenership goes out to Rochester or upstate New York. All over. Okay, so upstate New York, Rochester, there's Comedy at the Carlson, which is this really cool venue. Comedy venue, big Com- venue. Big venue. We're going to be there next weekend, so the 22nd through the 24th of February. Okay. Then on Sunday, we're going to be at the Bell House in Brooklyn doing a oh, yeah. live I've done People Town yeah, with place. the girls from the podcast, the Sorry About Last Night girls, or mm-hmm. in the and you know Christina and Corinne, they're fantastic. Yeah. So they're going to be our guests, and we're almost sold out on that show. We would love to sell it out and then yeah. book another show sure. after it, but we're almost sold out on that show. It's like three fifty capacity, and I think we're at like three hundred right now as we stand over a week away. So that's on Sunday the twenty fifth, and then uh, we're going to Detroit to do like a really cool, uh, cool sort of event at the Fillmore on March third. Then we're in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, March 17th around 15th. All, the all sorts. If you go to supersclars.com and look at our tour dates, you can find out and buy tickets from there as well. And where can people find out where Poop Talk's playing? That comes out this Friday, right? This Friday, the 16th, yeah. it comes out. You can go to Video On Demand, okay. any of your cable oh, stuff, okay. or iTunes, or, or Amazon. Amazon, or you can see it in theaters if you are in uh, San Francisco. It's playing at the Roxy. Okay. Uh, Los Angeles is playing at the Lemley Santa Monica. If you're in New York City, it's playing at Village East. Uh, I think it's uh, Kansas City is playing at the something Tapcade. Uh, in Atlanta, it's playing in Atlanta, and Chicago, it's playing at Facet Cinematheque. Okay. Uh, Cleveland, good, yeah. Cleveland That's at Tower good. City. So really, Toronto, the, okay, it's Toronto. So it's like nice. eleven cities. Yeah, yeah. Well, go see it. Go see them live if you ever have a chance. They are really two of the funniest people I've ever seen. Thank you. As far as comics go, podcast, uh, Dumb People Town. Subscribe. Uh, the other one, you changed the name on it. Yeah, What's it's the called other view, name of the view from the cheap the other, seats, and right. it's sports, and kind of, it's like this is what yeah. happened in the week of sports, and we try and take comedic yeah. view. But like Ben Schwartz was just on it, Bob Costas we mm-hmm. had on it a short time ago. So good people, Blake Griffin, yeah. Bill Burr, we've had some good ones on. Yeah, that one. Randy and Jason Sklar, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. 
In a world consumed by breaking news, one man has the focus to cut through the... The president's losing a Twitter fight to Jewel. To cut through the... ISIS won Powerball? Who sold them a ticket? Arson? Well, I guess when a sick kid makes a wish, they make a wish. Last Week Tonight with John... This one just says run. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Every week starting February 18th on HBO. Thanks again to Randy and Jason Sklar for coming on the show. Poop Talk opens in theaters, streaming and on demand, Friday, February 16th. Subscribe to the Sklar Brothers podcasts, Dumb People Town, and View from the Cheap Seats on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit their website at supersklars.com for their live dates and more information. And follow them on Twitter at at Sklar Brothers. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at KickassNewsPod. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and ideas at comments at kickassnews.com. I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.